Welcome to Real Estate Coaching Radio, starring award-winning real estate coaches and number one international best-selling authors, Tim and Julie Harris. This is the number one daily radio show for realtors looking for a no BS, authentic, real-time coaching experience. What's really working in today's market, how to generate more leads, make more money, and have more time for what you love in your life. And now your hosts, Tim and Julie Harris. Yes, we do listen to you. Yes, we do read your emails. Yes, we do appreciate your show feedback and show suggestions. And that is what today's show is all about. A lot of you are really ready to formalize your buyer process, which we certainly appreciate. And by the way, if you did not listen to the podcast we did a few days ago that's talking about the buyer agent commission lawsuits and all the things and expectations that we have that we'll be changing and how you relate to buyers, well, make sure you go back and listen to that available on iTunes, Spotify, and of course, over on YouTube. Um, So what we're going to be doing today is we're going to be drilling down on just a handful of our buyer scripts. All of our scripts, everything that's included in Premier Coaching, they're all copywritten. You're not going to find these anywhere else on the internet. Julie and I do not give our scripts away for free. They're an asset that are available only to our uh, coaching clients to use. No one's going to be reselling these or anything like that. So these scripts, the reason that some of you won't be exposed to these before is because they are original and Julie and I are uh, rabid at updating the scripts when necessary to reflect the buyer's expectations and the market's expectations as well. Exactly. Written by us and market tested. Doesn't matter how expensive your market is or where you are in the country or perhaps even in the world because we have to include our Canadian clients, et cetera. Julie, we should start out by um, essentially priming them to accept the idea that they all should be using scripts. Yes. Because that's a big point of resistance. Well, you know, this podcast, we only have you guys for 20 minutes, 20, 30 minutes. So there's no sense in me not being direct. The people that resist using scripts are generally speaking those who think they have enough natural talent to essentially never have to actually formalize their process and whatever comes out of their mouth is sufficient enough and that's just the way it is. That is somebody that's resisting being a professional and they will continually act like that and continue to act like that um, over time until they essentially have a bunch of setbacks. Now, typically what you'll see is they'll rationalize their failures. So when you see somebody that doesn't use a formalized process in this regard using scripts, you'll see they're the same ones that will tell you, well, it's okay to just list five out of 10 listing appointments you go on. Or it's okay if you have five expires and things like that. Or on the buyer side, buyers are liars. Exactly. So you'll see the types of people that aren't professional and aren't using a formalized process, of which scripts are certainly part of that, are the same ones that are masterful at rationalizing their failures. So a strong suggestion to all of you, dear listeners, is avoid those types of people and don't heed their advice. Because the simple fact is, is that all of us use scripts But if you're not winning more than you're losing, and especially in this market, your scripts just aren't any good because you probably, you know, patched work them together. You're probably, again, winging it too frequently. You're relying too heavily on your personality. And I will give you absolute nailed down proof of that. And I'll be a little self-sacrificial as I say this. Okay. So our first year in the business, Julie and I sold over 100 homes. And we would do a lot of selling together, but for the most part, Julie was keeping the train on the tracks while I was out there basically working with a lot of buyers and sellers. Mm -hmm. And I didn't know any scripts. We had no formal training uh, in real estate. We do nothing. (laughs) But still, together, Julie and I worked really, really well together. The customers liked us and we were able to get, you know, obviously we did really great. And that worked into a, um, you know, years after that, we're selling between 100 and 200 homes. But when, when we tried to move out 
of that particular market where we were uh, originally where we originally planted our flag, move up market, change price ranges, go to a, just different types of things. We quickly found that our success rate, which was really high, all of a sudden started to fall. Now it took in that market a different set, uh, not necessarily scripts, but a certainly a different approach. In the first uh, market we were in, a lot of first-time buyers, a lot of first-time sellers, um, things like that. When we wanted to double or triple, or what we eventually did is 5X to our price range, then we had to completely um, update our approach. What I'm saying is our natural talent ran out when we basically left that market or didn't, we wanted to focus on, uh, um, I think, a wider variety of price ranges and uh, clients. Well, I'm glad that you said that because I was thinking as you were talking, certainly, you know, our, our original stomping ground, a lot of first-time buyers, and also a lot of our center of influence. So yeah. many of you will find that the easier stuff, and there's nothing wrong with that, but the easier stuff, past clients, centers of influence, people who already know, love, and trust you, and we always coach you to get more out of that crowd, certainly. But when you want to go across town, up market, into neighborhoods you're not familiar with, and list and buy with people who don't already know, love, and trust you, that's when you really feel the need for scripts. Well, that's the litmus test, ultimately. Are all your customers, all the people you've, you've sold homes for, are they people that are essentially your direct centers of influence and past clients? And have you noticed that when one of them tries to refer you uh, to somebody, that very rarely do you end up converting that person, especially if it's a seller to a listing? That's because you're not following a formalized process. The people that know, love, and care about you aren't going to hold you to the, uh, the same standard. But in this, here's the thing that's shifted, though. In this market where sellers are obviously a lot more nervous and buyers are a lot more nervous, you're going to find that even the people that know, love, and trust you are going to be a heck of a lot more selective on who they work for, or rather who they choose to work with. That's the reason that Julie and I have always cautioned those of you uh, you know, who are so heavily dependent on centers of influence and past clients. You're a one-spoke wonder. Your lead generation spokes are going to uh, fail because you only have one. You want to have at least five to seven sources of business. And if it's only centers of influence and past client, in a market like this, you'll start to struggle, again, because your centers of influence and past clients, even your mom, they're going to be more selective in who they do business with. That's true. And sometimes it's just a matter of the person who knows, loves, and trusts you being married to somebody who also has an agent who is a friend exactly. of theirs. And even though there's nothing wrong with your relationship, there is another relationship at play. So thus we get back to scripts. Right. So it's not, scripts are part of it, but you need to improve your process. There's no more FOMO in the market. People aren't going to want to buy and sell anymore just because. You're going to actually have to learn quickly, frankly, what to say, how to say it, how to you know do a lot of interpersonal communication that maybe you haven't had to do. We call it doctor filling, right? Mm -hmm. It's not knowing what to say. It's not just knowing what to say and how to say it, but it's also learning how to read your customer. These are all the things that we teach you in Premier Coaching. And obviously then a lot of you uh, move up to our one-on-one -on -one coaching programs and even learn it at more of a higher level. But if you find yourself struggling, which I know is pretty much the story with most of you, and you, or you find yourself accepting failure, oh, I didn't get that listing because the other agent must have priced it higher or took a lower commission. In other words, you're making excuses. It is past time for you to accept the fact that you need to improve your skill set. That's right. So today we're talking about the buyer side of scripting. And yes, as you said, Tim, that the fear of missing out, the FOMO buyers, the flippers, you know, people who are buying and selling for fun have largely left the market. It used to be for every good listing, you'd get 10 to 20 offers. So now, oh no, there's only three offers for every uh, buyer side. So there are still more buyers in today's market than there are listings to sell them. It's about a three to one ratio right now for every 
closed transaction last month, there were three offers. But even when your buyers are both motivated and qualified, you have no guarantees that you'll find them the right house, win the potential bidding war, and soon you also may have to worry about how you're going to get paid for your hard work. So pre-qualification just became more important than ever. How do you determine which of them will buy, which will end in a closed transaction, and who you should concentrate on? Who should you be setting appointments with to have a buyer presentation and get your agency and exclusive agencies signed? Okay, so remember, as with all scripts, the buyer pre-qualification script is a conversational outline using questions to find out the following, some of the following from your buyer prospects. In the podcast, we can't do the whole script. Mm -mm. After using the buyer pre-qual script, you'll then meet your buyer prospects and use your buyer presentation to solidify your relationship, how you work, and how commissions work. Okay, so again, we're going to show you just a few questions, a sampling of the buyer prequal script. Now, these notes, today's notes, like every one of our podcasts, if you scroll down, if you're on YouTube, iTunes, wherever, all the notes are right there. And again, these are just a smattering, a sampling of some of the scripts that you all are going to need to learn and master ASAP. And if you're one of these script resistors, please remember the story I told about Julie and I. We got pretty far in our natural talents and abilities, but we, it quickly ran dry and what we started to see is on our second and third year though we did increase the number of homes and increase our revenue every single year we still were finding more resistance it's because we had to learn skills and all of you are in that place this last market that lasted basically 15 years you did not really need to improve your skill set because the market was so buoyant the you know essentially the rising tides right that is gone, and so now you're going to have to go back, and many of you are hopefully accepting this and learn what you should have learned in the first place, and then you're going to be unstoppable. So we're going to give you a little taste, a sampler plate a sampler. <laughs> of all of our script or some of the scripts, and, and these are just focused on buyers. And remember, the notes for today's show are down below, and when you're there, you're also going to see an offer for you to join Premier Coaching. Premier Coaching costs you nothing for the first 30 days, so make sure you click the link to join, and then we give you a lot more buyer scripts and all lot more obviously business planning ideas and you know all that good stuff so it's there it costs you nothing to join there's no obligation and yes that does include a daily semi-private coaching call with one of our Harris certified coaches all right so we might call these script snippets my note takers to mention the, that the notes are there you can also jot these down number one Again, on the buyer side, I assume because you're calling or emailing or texting me this, directly. So this is a line from the pre-qualification script. Thank you for clarifying. Okay. I assume because you're calling me or emailing me or texting me directly, you're not already working with another agent. This question happens early in the script, so you can skip the rest of the script if they've already committed to another realtor. Makes it's, sense, right? So that's what, how do most of you handle that? Most of you, those of you who are buying leads from Zillow, that's one of the first questions they ask, right? They want to make sure that a buyer is not committed to another agent. Um, but those of you who are smart enough to generate your own leads, let alone buyer leads, you're going to want to quickly ascertain whether you're working with another agent. Now, here's the reason we wrote this script, that, that, you know, that question like that. By the way, all script is, is generally speaking, just a bunch of questions that are laced together. So the reason that we wrote it that way was because if you straight up ask the buyer if they're working with another agent, they're always going to say yes, because they don't know what the hell working with an agent means. Mm -hmm. So if they talk to some agent someplace 14 years ago, maybe that's working with another agent. Or if they're more savvy, they're going to say yes, because they just want the answer to what their question was. So um, all of this is designed for you and hopefully Julie's next question. Okay. So she doesn't have this in here or do you? Which oh yes, she does. Question okay. number three is my favorite question ever. Me too. Okay. So I'm not going <laughs> to stomp on that one. But go ahead. first question number two, what price has your lender told you not to go above? Now this question covers all of the bases with regards to finding out about their financing. 
When you ask this question, again, what price has your lender told you not to go above? They'll tell you if they're all cash. They'll tell you if they haven't got a lender yet. They'll tell you if they're pre-approved and what price not to go over. Instead of asking all of those individual questions, the script, what price has your lender told you not to go above, gets straight to the answer. It's, Vers- it's kind of like an all-encompassing question. Versus asking, are you working with the lender? You know, all this, again, the, the, I think, amateurish way that most agents have been conditioned to work with buyers is that you give up a whole bunch of your time and you give up a whole bunch of your, you know, energy and professionalism. And then you hopefully find out along the way whether they're approved, whether they're working with a lender, whether they have a house to sell. What we're suggesting, uh, Premier Coaching clients, especially you guys, is before you give them any of your time, you need to go through the pre-qualification script. Then after that, as Julie said, then you sit down with them. You give them a formal presentation. This is all included in Premier Coaching with the output, of, with the goal of the presentation being they sign a state agency form, a, a exclusive buyer agency contract, and a net sheet. Those three things. Um, so that's all included in Premier Coaching. But the number one thing is, is before you even sit at the table with them, you need to be pre-qualifying them at the highest level to find out if they're actually, what you're really gearing towards is looking for people that actually have houses to sell. Because once you take the listing, that's going to automatically trigger those people working with you on the buy side and a whole bunch of other transactions as well. Now that leads us to our mutual favorite point or our script question number three, which home in the neighborhood do you plan on selling? Now, this helps you to determine if they are also a listing lead. Note to self, many agents never ask this question when they get buyer leads. Some of you guys have so many buyers right now and not enough homes to find them that you don't even call buyer leads back. That's even worse because some of them have houses to sell. Well, they don't ask, they don't root out whether or not the person has a house to sell until yes. it's like way further into like maybe days or weeks. And then they're going to sort of maybe hopefully find out if that person's got an agent who they're thinking about hiring to sell their house. You guys have got to stop being passive like that because yeah. what you're telling that agent is your, or that consumer is that you're not confident. And they're not going to do business with you. They will do business with people who are acting professional, asking professional questions as professionals will. Can you imagine walking into a doctor's office? You know what the doctor's office experience is, right? Or the dentist's office. Before you even get out of the uncomfortable waiting room, they're going to give you something on a clipboard and they're going to ask for all your insurance information. Why? Because they want to determine if you can pay. Okay. (laughs) Now that is uh, before you even see anybody. That is the same pro- that's the same process wherever you go to see a doctor anywhere. So people have the expectation that they're going to be going through a formalized professional you know, process before they actually see the doctor. What do you guys do? Somebody calls or texts and you don't even ask them to come to your office. You just zip over to their house and with your dental cleaning kit, and you're ready to go. <laughs> you don't know whether or not they have any teeth or whether they can clean. You got a chair? We'll use your chair. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> that's what a lot of you guys do. Do you think that person respects you when you act like that? They do not. I know. I, and when we were talking about scripting earlier, I was thinking about how agents think that it's okay to wing it and just use their personality. And I, I had this image of like, next time you fly, the flight attendant, I mean, they've done this before. They, they don't need a script, right? There's that thingy up there over your head and maybe it'll drop down. And I don't know, you'll probably remember what to do with it. Wouldn't you freak out if that happened? You expect a professional experience. Do you know you just described the average JetBlue flight? Well, that's true too. I mean, they, they do, yeah. Okay, <laughs> Get what you pay ba- back for. to task. Okay, point number four. Uh, here's a script piece. Paint me a picture. Ideally, what are you looking for in your next home? The more you can drill down on the prospect's needs, the faster you can find what they want. And caution, if you're working with a couple 
or you know, two or three investors even, make sure you ask each one of them, ideally, what are you looking for in the next home? Now, I'll give you a little hint. This is assuming you're working with consumers, not yes. investors. Is find out, get a picture of their current home, assuming they have one. Or if they're relocating, ask them to send you pictures of their current home. Because here's what happens. People do not want to sell their furniture. And most people, most people will actually choose a house around maybe their dining room set and their bedroom set or something like that. So even if someone shows up in your life and they're relocating from another part of the country and they're telling you they want a modern home and you ask for a picture of their uh, current home, uh, some colonial with, you know, you guys get the idea. I promise you they're buying a colonial unless they have no other choice other than to buy something that's modern. They're going to buy what they already have because most people are comfortable not making very many changes in their lives ever. That said, you're going to have to basically adjust accordingly because as you go up market, those folks have a tendency to actually like different styles of homes and the homes in the upper end don't, uh, they are almost always including the furniture, but for the meat and potatoes price ranges, say from 300 to, yeah, I'm really anything less than I would say 750, a lot of those guys, they're going to buy what they had before. Yeah. So I think especially with relocation, I remember when you and I were selling homes and we just learned that. And we had them bring a picture of their house or send it in an email. And you are so right. They almost buy like the exact. almost down to the color of the shutters and the, you know, the style. So that, that's a great, uh, top tip there. Okay. So next is point number five. When I find you a home, there's an exemptive close. When I find you a home that has A, B, C, and D, which was their stated needs and price range. In other words, the home you're looking for that checks all of the boxes on a scale of one to 10, where would you rate your desire to write up an offer on it? 10 means you absolutely are 110% ready, and one means you're just kicking tires. If they're anything less than a 10, your follow-up question is, what would it take to make you a 10? So we'll role play that. So Julie, listen, so I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to take a lot of time, um, and we're going to see homes that are a, a very close match to what you say you're looking for, and I might toss in a few ringers that just uh, maybe you're telling me you want something that's an acre, but I find a house that I think might be a good fit for you, but it's only a half acre, things like that. So, but let's just say I show you a house uh, that is meets all your criteria, right location, right price, right condition, all your furniture fits in the house exactly the way you'd hoped it fit. In other words, this is the house that you are describing to me as the, the house you guys both want. On a scale one to 10, where would you rate your motivation to purchase that house? I'm about an eight. An eight. Well, congratulations. Good for you. What would it take to get you to a 10? That secondary question is the most important question. What would it take to get you to a 10? And by the way, they almost always say seven. Right. So what would it take to get you to a 10? And then you're going to find out some things that they have not previously told you. I have to see if I'm going to get my relocation. Oh, I have to see it. I have to sell three rental properties. You get it? So you're going to have to ask secondary questions because then you're really going to determine, well, we're waiting for the lender to clear up a problem on our credit or we're waiting for rates to drop or we're waiting for pigs to fly. You know, you can then determine whether or not you actually want to work with them. That's right. So if not attend, then why? And I think every uh, thing that you list off there, we minus maybe the pigs flying we dealt with <laughs> in one way or another. And sometimes, remember the previous point was paint me a picture. Ideally, what are you looking for? If you haven't asked all parties involved, maybe that's the objection. You know, I'm an eight, but, you know, my spouse is a six and a half. Well, why is that? Well, it's because they have to have a three-car garage or because they want to be in a different part of town. You got to drill down. Otherwise, you're really going to be wasting your time chasing down things that they're never going to buy. But with regards to the art and science of all this, when you ask somebody a question, 
you want to obviously, re- well, maybe not so obvious, you want to repeat what they say and you want to tell them, you know, essentially good job with your answer. Because then you're going to encourage, A, you're showing that you're listening and B, you're encouraging them to answer more of your questions because you're kind of giving them a little, you know, thank you very much. So at Julie, a, a seven, that's fantastic. Congratulations. What would it take to get you to a 10? You guys see how I did that? You never want to just go from, oh, I'm a seven and then go right to and skip that middle part because you haven't tied those two emotions together. And once you do that, just test it today. Test what I'm saying today with just anybody. When you repeat what they say and you affirm it, you will find that magic happens on the other side of that. Well, you are kind of secretly bonding over those questions, right? So that's a good thing. All of these and we have, let's see. Yes, that was number five. All of this is included in our Buyer Mastery, which is part of our premier coaching program. This is just a taste. These are just five questions from our Buyer Pre-Qualification Script. This is not the Buyer Presentation Script. This is pre-qualifying before you even do the presentation. And this is probably a, mm, a half, maybe? maybe, maybe a third. Maybe a third, I yeah. think. So the, the whole point of Buyer Pre-Qualifying is when you get a buyer, you're going to take them through the process of determining, obviously, their their motivation. Remember, guys, advanced coaching, there's no such thing as a buyer that has to buy. Buyers always want to buy. There are things, uh, th- there are reasons that sellers have to sell. I'm going to say that because it's critical. If you're listening to us for the first time, so important that you get this because you're otherwise going to find yourself being very frustrated, especially in a market like this. This is the reason that we always try to lean you guys towards focusing on becoming listing agents, which so many of you, because frankly, this past market have resisted. Now it's time for you to dust off that resistance and focus on becoming listing agents. But yes, you're going to be working with buyers along the way. We, a buyer never has to buy. Why? Because a buyer can always rent. A buyer can always stay in their current house. A buyer can always, you know, add a bedroom. A buyer can always wait. A buyer can always you guys get the point. So the thing with buyers is there's always going to be a lot of reasons why they'll change their minds. Interest rates went up. Well, I'm going to wait for rates to fall. There's an election cycle going on. I'm going to wait till after the election. Like that has anything to do with anything. I never understood you that know, one. maybe it's going to be the holidays. Maybe it's going to be some sort of vacation. It's always going to be something that's going to drive you crazy. <laughs> okay. Now, when you work with sellers, there are such things as sellers that have to sell. In other words, again, we have a lot of seller pre-qualification questions and you're going to find out that when you're, especially in this market, there's less than 4 million homes that sold. I can pretty much guarantee you those were 4 million sellers that had to sell. That is the bottom of the market. That is the floor. This market will always serve up around 4 million must-sell sellers every single year. That is going to be what you're going to see is the historical low mark for home sales for probably the next 40 years. So congratulations. You've been through the worst housing market. Oh, and we're working on our uh, predictions for next year, and we're thinking that the predict we're you know next two years really, and we're expecting a lot of return to normalcy with regards to inventory. But that in a different uh, podcast. The real focus, what I'm hoping you take away from this, is that when you work with buyers, because you will have to, make sure you're taking a professional approach. But never forget, there is no such thing as a buyer that has to buy. They always a want. They're always a want to buy, and and they can easily change their mind, and they often do. But there are examples of sellers that have to sell. They're getting relocated. They can't afford the house. They lost their job. They have new construction that's closing or a resale that's closing, and they need the cash. It's a probate listing. It's a divorce situation. It's a this and that and the other thing. There's a whole bunch of reasons why sellers have to sell, and there are no reasons why ultimately a buyer has to buy. Be clear about that. Be very clear about that. Otherwise, you're going to find yourself, frankly, toiling away of a lot of nights and weekends wondering why your five or six magical buyers never bought. 
And then you're going to be about midway through the year. And then you're going to see the buyers start losing interest because now they're focused on the vacations. And now they're focused on kids going back to school. Then there's Halloween. Then there's the holidays. And now you ended up selling like nothing that particular year because you spent too much time with buyers. Thus, the scripts. The scripts are there to help you to sift and sort to get the answers so that you, I mean, we're not anti-buyer. Buyers no. make the world go around. And if you have listings, you need buyers, certainly. But what we're trying to drive home here by exposing you to these questions is to sift and sort and make sure that you're spending your time wisely when you end up doing the buyer presentation, which soon you're probably going to be required to do at a higher level, that you're spending your time with somebody who is likely to transact with you. Although it is always true that buyers never have to buy, your job is to find the ones that have the strongest desire to buy who also ideally have listings for you. So these script questions hopefully will help you on your path. But remember, this is only about 30% of what's out there. If you're honing your buyer system, you've got to really dig deep and get to be part of Premier Coaching because again, we have lots more scripts. This is just part of it. I would love to have this uh, just, you know, our pre-qualification outline, working with buyers and working with sellers, had we had that our first year, oh. we, we could have sold probably twice as many homes. For sure, with and we less sold, stress. And we sold 103. Absolutely. So we could have sold 206, I'm sure, if we actually knew what the hell we were doing. Well, true. And and we weren't even in a situation most of the time where there were three offers for every listing. And it's, it's important to point out that our first year in the business, we were selling in what was a buyer's market. It was not an easy, you know, sell instantly seller's market. It was a tough market. Interest rates were very similar to what they are now. I mean, a great interest rate when Julie and I were selling real estate was, you know, maybe six and three quarters to maybe seven and three quarters. And guess what? People were still buying and selling, but it was a lot tougher. There was no buoyancy in the economy. There was no all these other things going on. It was a bit of a recession. Uh, the interest rates were higher, all of this. And guess what? Sellers were not walking away with a boatload of cash in nearly every case. That's a super important point. In our market, when we were selling real estate, our first year, real estate was increasing in value, call it appreciation, it's really inflation, by roughly 2% per year. So if someone bought a $200,000 house, I want you to think about this. So year one, it appreciates by, it goes to 204. Then it goes to say 206, and you can do the math yourselves. If someone didn't stay in that $200,000 house for at least three or four years, sometimes five years, depending, they weren't not. They didn't even have the money to sell the house without losing money. So they bought it for two hundred. They put down twenty thousand dollars, their ten percent down payment, and it was very normal for people who hadn't stayed in their houses for usually seven to ten years. That's true. To lose money, they would end up basically at closing, walk away uh, with less than they you know originally um, put down on the house net. Or, or worse, if they were, say, a first-time buyer that had a 3% down payment and then got relocated six yep. months later. That's right. I mean, that was the unfortunate truth of our market. There was no this runaway appreciation. It did not exist in our time. So the scripts that we used were actually a lot harder than these oftentimes. Hell yeah. And by the way, that's what all of you need to learn now. That's the reason that so many of you are listening to this podcast because you're saying, oh, it turns out there's a different kind of housing market. Huh. And maybe. Who just, knew? Who knew? <laughs> uh, I know. Tim and Julie did. Yes. So listen, guys, thank you for keeping this number one listen to daily podcast for real estate professionals in at least the United States. Uh, if you're over, if you have the chance, and I would certainly appreciate it as with Jules, do give us a five-star review over on iTunes and do leave a comment about why you like the podcast. It goes a long way uh, to help us know we're on track. And again, this today's podcast 
um, was inspired by a lot of the questions we were getting from some of you. If you guys have a question you want to send to us, the best way to find us is over on Instagram, and it's at Tim and Julie Harris, at Tim and Julie Harris on Instagram. You guys know how that works. And uh, yeah, send us a message there, and we do love the feedback and the, uh, and the show ideas. It always keeps us on track. Have a fantastic day. We will talk with you on the show tomorrow. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.